the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Jesus said to his disciples, except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no wise enter into the kingdom of heaven. Our gospel lesson from St. Matthew this morning is from the Sermon on the Mount. When reading a narrative from scripture, it is often difficult to envision the response of those listening and hearing it for the first time. This pronouncement by Jesus undoubtedly caused a considerable, considerable amount of angst and perplexity to the disciples and the gathered multitudes in attendance. In response to a similar statement concerning the difficulty of a rich man entering into the kingdom of God, the disciples were exceeding amazed, saying, who then can be saved? Scribes were men who spent their lives studying, teaching, and explaining the law. They were the great authorities on the oral tradition handed down from generation to generation. They were historians who had committed to memory the collective teaching and commentary on every nuance of the law. These men also meticulously copied and preserved the sacred texts, exercising great care as they did so. The Pharisees were the political descendants of the Maccabees, who had effectively defeated the Greek political and cultural dominance of Israel some 200 years earlier. These men were known for their unquestioned holiness and sanctity. The word Pharisee means separatist. They were people who set themselves apart by the careful observance of rules and regulations, many of which they had established for themselves to build what is often called a fence around the law. Their zealousness had a twofold purpose. First, to protect the law. Second, to, pre to prevent themselves from even coming close to breaking the law. To an ordinary Israelite of the first century, scribes and Pharisees were considered to be the most righteous people around. They appeared to be meticulously orthodox and incorporated their understanding of the law into every area of their life. The gospel tells us that, that they even tithed on this small amount of herbs and spices used for personal use. They attended synagogue worship on every Sabbath and it comprised the leadership of their local congregations. Yet Jesus taught that their righteousness had fallen short and missed the mark. Righteousness is a word that repeatedly appears throughout the Old and New Testament, as well as the daily offices and Eucharistic liturgy in the Book of Common Prayer. It is a translation of the Jewish word tzedakah and originally encompassed the literary sense of deliverance and salvation. The rabbinic application of what it meant to live a righteous life became narrower, narrower over time. The definition of righteousness morphed solely into the practice of almsgiving, prayer, and fasting. This should sound quite familiar, as these are the classic disciplines we adopt at each Lent. To be sure, Jesus is not chastising the scribes and Pharisees for supporting the poor, praying, or fasting, just that their outward observable actions were narcissistic and lacked humility and a right heart attitude toward God. A few verses beyond today's lesson, beginning at the sixth chapter of St. Matthew's Gospel, Jesus systematically comments on each of these three attributes of righteousness as practiced by the scribes and Pharisees, specifically noting the hypocrisy they exhibit. Concerning almsgiving, Jesus teaches that when you give alms, do it simply. 
trumpets or public displays were not necessary so that everyone notices their generosity. Elsewhere in the gospel, Jesus took special note of a poor widow putting the few coins she possessed into the treasury as an example of an almost invisible sacrificial offering from her heart. Almsgiving is an act of worship between you and God. And if you give in this manner, Jesus tells us, God will notice and reward this type of faithfulness. Concerning prayer, Jesus teaches that one should pray with God as our exclusive audience. None were to make a spectacle of themselves in either the synagogue or on the street corner. Rather, he says, go into a closet and shut the door. In the Old Testament, we read how Hannah went to the temple of the Lord and poured her heart out to God. Her lips moved, but her voice could not be heard. As an example and encouragement for us, we are told that God heard her prayer and rewarded her faithfulness. Concerning fasting, again, Jesus teaches that God alone is to be our focus. No one should be able to discern from physical appearance that they were denying themselves food or other pleasures for a season of time other than perhaps immediate family members who might have a need to know, personal fasting was a time for increased prayer and seeking God. It still is today. We read of notable fasts in scripture concerning Moses, Elijah, and Jesus, all in the wilderness, and observe that God always sustained and ministered unto them. In the Old Testament, Jeremiah prophesied about the coming Messiah, writing, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise up unto David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper, and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. And this is his name, whereby he shall be called, the Lord our righteousness. Our righteousness must exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, because theirs was a minimalistic understanding flowing exclusively from their own works. Jesus is telling his first century audience and us today that the starting point for true and complete righteousness begins with deliverance and salvation that can come from God alone. Moreover, on the cross, he would become that full, perfect, and sufficient sacrifice, oblation, and satisfaction for the sins of the whole world. As St. Paul wrote, he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we may be made the righteousness of God in him. The grace of God towards us and his gift of salvation and deliverance are not the end of the Christian life. Rather, these are just the beginning. All of our almsgiving, fasting, prayers, and all other such good works as he has prepared for us to walk in are the heartfelt response expected by God. Our gratitude and thanksgiving for the precious gift we have received is to permeate every relationship and all that we do with our family, friends, and neighbors. May the Lord, our righteousness, strengthen us to walk before him in holiness and righteousness all our days. It is only then that our righteousness will exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.